Do you need a new or optimized website for your indoor playground or soft play rental business? Well, we now have a team of professional web designers ready to help you bring your vision to life. Our designs marry your aesthetic with what's been proven to work time and time again in this industry. And since we only work with play-based business owners, we have designing high converting websites that can be a complete game changer for your revenue and income down to a science. And we make it really affordable. Head to the show notes for example sites and pricing information. And yes, you can get the professional yet beautiful website of your dreams on the website platform of your choice for less than $800. You can even book a free call with our web design team if you have questions or want to talk about your specific needs. If you want us to, we'll even do all of your tech setup and software integrations so you don't have to lift a finger. We look forward to helping you convert your vision into reality and in turn, convert more browsers into buyers. Head to the show notes for all of our web design information. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. Hi, Playmakers. It's me, your host, Michelle Caruana. And before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here. And I hope you're having an amazing day today. And even if you're not and you need a little pick-me-up, I know this time of year can be absolutely crazy and hectic. I hope this episode is exactly what you need today because honestly, this episode really perked me up as I was putting it together because this is such a fun topic and I had so much fun recording this guest expert interview that I'm going to share in this episode today. So if the title didn't give everything away, today we are talking about color psychology with color psychology expert, Michelle Lewis. Now, Michelle is the author of the book, Color Secrets, and she is absolutely brilliant when it comes to helping brands choose colors that elicit a specific reaction from their ideal customers, therefore impacting sales and customer experience and morale. So I'm so excited to share this with you today, and I'm not going to give it all away, but something that we're going to cover is how to choose your brand colors and some things that you should consider, including type of play, the age range you're going to focus on, the vibe that you want parents to feel when they walk in your space. So for example, do you want people to walk in and think, oh, wow, you know, I could sit down and relax and have a hot cup of coffee while I watch my kiddos play quietly? Or, you know, do you want parents to walk in and think, wow, you know, I'm glad I wore my sneakers because this is going to be a busy, crazy, hectic, but fun experience, right? There are so many different types of play and so many different vibes that indoor playgrounds can give out. And color has so much more to do with it than I originally thought. So we're going to cover so many more specific topics as well, such as if you have a sensory room, what color consideration should you make? If you have a classroom or a space in your area that's more geared towards fine motor play and you need a more focused environment, which color should you choose? We're going to talk about your counter space and what action-taking colors are. We're going to talk about flag colors that might overwhelm the nervous system of both parents and kiddos alike. And also we're going to talk about 
how those brand colors can kind of mesh between your online presence and your brick and mortar space, how they can flow together and be cohesive while again, still eliciting your desired reaction from your ideal customers. Something that I talk so much about on this podcast and on my YouTube channel is, you know, choosing a business name and choosing a location and mistakes to avoid with that. And we talk about choosing play equipment and interior design, but I can't believe that in the last four to five years, we haven't covered choosing colors yet. And it's probably because I'm not the expert in it. So I'm so thankful that Michelle agreed to come on the podcast today. And if you're a more visual person, I'm going to put this interview up on my YouTube channel as well. But I'm so thankful that Michelle decided to come and talk about this topic because I think it's so important to be very intentional when you're choosing your business colors, especially when you're designing the interior of your space. Because again, colors have a big impact on emotion and reactions and things like that. So This is really important. And as brick and mortar business owners, this isn't a decision that we can just easily change or pivot like an online business owner can, right? You can easily rebrand a website and change the colors, but you can't quickly repaint your space, right? That's going to be a huge cost and it's going to be a huge disruption on your customers and on your business. So this is something if you're still in the starting phases or if you're looking to expand or maybe even rebrand if you're at that point. This is something I really want you to put a lot of intention and strategy behind. So I hope you find this episode as practical and valuable as I did. And as always, if you want to continue learning from Michelle, and if you want to follow along with her color psychology journey, I'm going to link her website, her Instagram, all that stuff in the show notes of this episode. And again, if you're a visual person, this episode and this interview is up on YouTube as well. That link is also in the show notes. All right, without further ado, here is my conversation with color psychology expert, Michelle Lewis. Hi, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, good to be here. It's always a pleasure interviewing another Michelle. I know it's a little bit confusing for those that are just listening. I think you're like the third Michelle that I've interviewed, but I'm so excited for this. So do you want to get started so that we're not confused and share a little bit about who you are and who you serve? Absolutely. My name is Michelle Lewis. I'm the founder of The Color Cure. I specialize in color psychology and helping people connect that with their brands and into their lifestyle so that everyone can benefit from the use of color. So can you tell us a little bit about what color psychology is? Because before I found you, I didn't know what it was. So can you explain that a little bit? Absolutely. So color psychology is the study of hues, aka colors, and how they influence and shape and get people to respond. Uh, It really defines a lot of human behavior. So this is pretty much the study of how we interact and respond to color. So I understand how it's kind of integrated into our day-to-day lifestyle. That part makes sense to me, but can you tell me a little bit about how it matters for our business and our branding? Absolutely. This is one of the key foundations of all of the big businesses and how they've become so successful. You can think about Starbucks and T-Mobile and Apple, even McDonald's. This is something all the big businesses know about, but 
brick and mortar businesses like us or online entrepreneurs don't tend to know a lot about it. And it's one of the biggest keys to marketing because we want to be able to be sure that we're relating to our consumer in a way that gets them to feel something, respond and buy. And since up to 93% of a buyer's decision boils down to a color choice alone and them resonating with that to purchase, it's something we really need to know so that our businesses can be more profitable. Wow. That's really amazing. And just a side note, one of the things that I've been loving about your content lately is how much you're talking about the Barbie movie, which I think is another great example of color usage. So I had to throw that one in there. So Huge, right? So successful. Yes. I thought that was really interesting. So I'm going to link your Instagram in the show notes or the video description, depending on whether you're watching or listening. But I love how you've been kind of relating everything back to the Barbie movie lately. I absolutely loved that. So you mentioned how important color is for business, right? And that was a really incredible statistic that you threw out there. That was really important. So what are some things that we should consider, especially as brick and mortar business owners? Because, you know, as we were kind of chatting about offline before we started recording, we as brick brick and mortar business owners, it's a much bigger decision when we're choosing our brand colors because it's not quite as easy to pivot as if you were an online business owner. I know I've rebranded my online business at least three or four times right now. And sure, it's a little bit of a pain, but it's not that big of a deal. But for a brick and mortar business, you have to hire a new painter and you have to completely redesign everything. And that's going to be a disruption for your customers. So my intention with this interview is to really help people be a lot more intentional when they're choosing their colors before they start their business. Because Again, as we were kind of chatting about and to give everybody a little bit of a background, I asked a lot of current indoor playground owners how they chose their brand colors. And the overwhelming majority said, well, I went on Pinterest, I searched kids colors neutral or kids primary color palette, something like that. Something, you know, just a couple keywords. They picked the first one they saw that they liked. They ran with it with their website and their brick and mortar space and then Either it didn't have the desired effect or it just didn't feel as good in person. People weren't reacting to it the way they expected. But again, it's so much more difficult to pivot and change that down the line as brick and mortar business owners. So again, I know I gave a little bit of context there and derailed a little bit, but it is such an important choice to make. So again, I really want anyone listening that's in the beginning stages to put a lot more intention behind this than just putting a couple keywords in Pinterest. So again, that's the goal today. So what are some considerations that we should be making when we're choosing our colors? Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head. You said that they go to Pinterest and they choose the color combination that they like and they run with it. And there's the biggest starting problem is choosing the colors that you personally like. Now, if you were your own customer and you could buy from yourself and make a profit, then wouldn't that be the most amazing business model? But that's not how it works, right? We are trying to tap into the feelings, the emotional state, the mental state of our client base to make our color decisions based on that. And there's so many different considerations, but the number one thing that I like to tell my clients is what do you want your ideal client or customer to feel the first time they see your brand? And in this case, it's going to be the first time they walk into your playground. What do you want them to feel? And since color psychology is all about how we respond to colors, we can actually 
link specific colors to causing certain certain reactions, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. So that I think is the most important consideration, first of all, is can we find a nice color scheme on Pinterest? Yes. But can we actually tie that to how we want people to feel in our space? Not based on that research. So it goes so much deeper when we're considering the color combinations we want. And we can go uh, deeply into this in terms of individual colors, but also I really want to talk about color seasons because this is how colors work together. And it's going to be different depending on your intention, where you're located, your target demographic, your local culture, all those things are going to come into play when deciding on your colors. Yeah. So let's talk about the seasons. And this is something that's new to me. So I'm really excited to learn. So let's talk about the four seasons of colors. Absolutely. So for anyone here who's been on TikTok lately, you've probably seen something called color analysis, where certain people are being draped in certain colors to find their season. There are four different seasons of color. And all this means is that it's the same exact colors, but it is what is underneath them that creates a season. So the seasons are winter, summer, spring, autumn. Not too hard, right? Because it's our actual seasons. But then the actual look of the colors changes depending on the season you choose. So let's say you've chosen a winter season. These are going to be the truest hues of a color. So those bright, very high contrast colors that we see. And this is very popular with kids. So this is probably the scheme that most people are most familiar with. The second most popular, I would imagine, would be spring. This is where every color has a white base. So they're very bright and light. Like we think of Easter bunny and Easter eggs, like those are usually in the spring season. Then we have summer and this is more soft muted. We were talking about this a little bit before we started the podcast. This is where every color is light, but more muted and every color has a gray base. Last but not least is the autumn season. This is the darkest palette because every color has a black base, kind of similar to when the leaves start changing color and they have that really, really rich look. So those are the four seasons. And what's most important when it comes to decorating your space is making sure that every color has the same undertone. This is what's going to make it look very cohesive to the eye. So for example, everything inside of your playground is a bright winter. A lot of times mistakes can happen here, even with branding online, because you've chosen a bright blue and a soft purple and a muted pink, and it looks very confusing. And if we put that into a play space, it's also going to feel more confusing because it's not going to be that cohesive aesthetic. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So how does that kind of tie back to where you're located? Because you kind of alluded to that and piqued my interest. So what would a play space, let's say in snowy Buffalo, New York, want to consider versus somewhere where it's warmer a lot more of the time, like Texas? Absolutely. This is where it can get to be really fun because you can actually think of your space as balancing out your area. For example, if you are in a really snowy climate, like my husband's from Minnesota, so it is literally winter, eight months out of the year. Well, your play space should be focused on bringing back that energy, that 
brightness, that lightness, because they are going to be surrounded by gray most of the time in the sky. And gray is known to mute personalities over time. And this is also what a lot of people link to seasonal, you know, uh, sad, what is it? Seasonal affective disorder. So in your space, what if you could help counteract that by choosing from either the winter or the spring palette, really bright colors, really light, bringing in that energy and that responsiveness versus if you're in a place like Arizona or California where it's summer all the time, well, do you want to bring a little bit more grounding or a little bit more soft muted to bring in some of those grays since you know that they might be overstimulated by the sun all day, they come here to have that escape and that calm. That's where you can be really creative and figure out, okay, are most of the kids that are coming into my space, are they in school uniforms? Are those uniforms gray or blue where they're going to be really focused mentally, a little bit more subdued? Maybe I'm going to counteract that in my space with magentas and yellows to brighten them back up and get them more grounded back into their bodies. That's where things can become really, really fun. Awesome. So you mentioned earlier that the whole purpose of color psychology and choosing colors is to get a reaction out of people when they first come into your space. So can you talk a little bit about how that looks different for adults versus children? Absolutely. From my studies, I found that there's eight primary communication colors. And this is going to be, of course, true for everyone. For kids, it's not going to be quite as complex because they haven't had the societal influences for as many years. So for example, magenta, they're going to see as a very stimulating color. They're not necessarily going to tie it politically, right? (laughs) Because they're too young. But what I have found is that The primary colors for communication are the colors of the rainbow. So we have red, yellow, orange, blue, uh, purple. Please tell me if I'm missing any. Uh, The seven primary colors. And then the ones that I've also found can absolutely create a reaction are pink and magenta. So those are the ones that we know that we can pull from in our space to get those reactions. Some are measured physically. They increase heart rate or decrease blood pressure. Some are measured more energetically, like yellow, which can overstimulate the nervous system. Some are measured more emotionally that can make us feel something or think a certain way. Then we have the colors that do not create a very strong measurable reaction. Those are the whites, the blacks the grays, the browns. Those are great colors that you can focus on to kind of round out your space because we don't want to overwhelm with too much color, but they're not ones that create a huge reaction, especially in kids. So we want to stimulate them to have those feelings and responses and to increase their gray matter with perceiving color. But we want to make sure that we also balance it out with some white space or some gray space so that those colors can really shine. I love that. And as soon as you said that, the first space that popped into my mind is Alara's from Project Play in Texas. Anyone listening has probably heard me talk about it before, but I love her space because it's almost like a completely white slate in terms of the walls and things like that. But then all of the toys are very colorful. So I thought that was a really unique way of doing that. And it sounds like we really need to consider what type of play environment we want to have when we're choosing our colors, because There are some very different play spaces out there. So we have some clients that have, you know, 40,000 square feet of space. They serve kiddos up to teenage years. They have these huge climbing structures and they're kind of more like the discovery zone of the nineties. So they're very 
stimulating. They're very focused on gross motor play and they blast music versus a more like Montessori based indoor playground for babies, toddlers, preschoolers. So it sounds like we really need to take into consideration what vibe we want and how we want children to play. And like you said, react when they're inside of our space. Absolutely. And depending on what your rotation is, what your schedule is, there might be times where you need to pull out the reds and the yellows because they're going to be too stimulating and too stressful. A lot of people that have, uh, especially children, ADD, ADHD, autism, any type of special needs, they are not going to react very well to yellow because it stimulates the nervous system. So it's going to cause them to go into a very high agitated state of stress. So instead, we can go, okay, well, then I think I'm going to bring in some oranges because that's a much more balancing color. The red increases the heart rate and blood pressure. So maybe you're going to substitute a green or a blue. The other side of that is if you're dealing with kids that are coming in and they're learning from home and they're not able to really get out the aggression or play or, you know, get really excited, you may want to cause that in your environment. So that's where it gets really fun because you become the diagnostician of your play space and go, okay, I'm going to experiment with this and this, and maybe I'm going to have a certain class that'll be geared towards this and see how the kids respond. You can set any number of colors in front of a child and they're going to go to the one that piques their interest or the one that they need. And so this is really fun when you can provide those elements in your space as options because then they can, in a way, self-diagnose the colors that they need more. Absolutely. And you said a couple of really interesting things that I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper on, if you don't mind. So first of all, a lot of us integrate sensory-friendly areas or maybe calming corners in our spaces. So for those specifically, my son is autistic. We always seek these spaces out whenever we visit a facility, even before we need it. And I've definitely found that some have the desired effect and some do not. And hearing you say this, I think it's very much based on color, at least partially. So do you have a recommendation for those of us that have these kind of calming corners, sensory friendly rooms? Do you have any recommendations when it comes to choosing colors there, both for the walls and for the items in the room? Sure. I think, you know, of course, this can be individualistic, but I think that especially when I am consulting with a parent who has special needs children, specifically autism, I have them test specific colors. So we can talk about those. The first one, of course, because we need to figure out, are we wanting to immediately calm, suppress, mute so that they can organize their emotions in a in a healthier way? Well, then we're going to be going to more of the stronger reaction colors, and that's going to be uh, the, or I'm sorry, no, let me correct myself, the grays and the blues. We're going to hit that first to see if that can really calm down the heightened emotions. Uh, in some cases, pink can work. My problem with pink when exposed to it for too long, which they proved in a prison actually, is that it does limit your heart's beats per minute. So it can cause a calming reaction. But if you're around it for too long, it can cause agitation. Now, I believe that that's because the primary color there is red, right? You're just muting the color with white. So that's not the one that I would say overwhelmingly to use in this space, but you can with bits and pieces because people do like the comfort in the calm of pink, especially children. But yeah, I would be working with potentially grays, blues, oranges, and then especially green. 
green is the most relaxed state that our eye experiences when it looks at the color. So the rods and cones get to really calm down. And it's the balancing color in terms of if your blood pressure is too high, it's going to bring it down. If it's too low, it's going to bring it up. So it's a really nice homeostasis color that you can bring in so that someone can feel safe, comfortable, right? calm, and then start stimulating that creativity. So those would be the main colors that I would experiment with and focus on depending on the child's needs. That's awesome. I love that. And I'm so glad we had this conversation before I painted my son's room. So kind of (laughs) similar to that, a lot of us also have classrooms or places where we're looking to have a little bit more focused, a little more of a calm environment. So it's not necessarily a sensory friendly room. So we're not necessarily looking to quickly suppress senses, as I think you mentioned is how you put it, but we are looking to have them be a little bit more focused. So do you Mm -hmm. have similar recommendations for that room? Absolutely. In terms of the, it would depend on the kind of focus you want. I'm assuming the majority of it would be mental. Uh, So that of course brings in the blues. Now the caution with blue is that it can be Uh, so focused mentally, it can be a little bit depressive over time. And what I mean by that is sometimes kids get into an all blue space and they fall asleep. So we want to be careful and use it, of course, as a main color, but accent it with a little bit of a more energetic color, maybe a uh, magenta, maybe a yellow, maybe an orange just to keep their attention. But by far, you know, a blue environment can be most helpful. And there have also been studies that have proven that taking actually looking at red before taking a test makes you test higher. So all of those things can be great considerations. And ultimately, like I say, whether you're branding your own business or you're working at home to figure out what colors you should put in your family space, test. So ask the kids, get their feedback on certain colors, see what they respond to the most, make, you know, little experiments that they can and see what they go to first and see what they're naturally repelled by. Because you also have other influences where, for example, like we talked about, you're in a sunny environment. Well, those kids probably aren't going to need a lot of blue and yellow because they're experiencing a lot of natural sunlight. They're probably going to need more of the reds and the oranges and the colors that they don't see on a normal basis. So depends on the test matter, but I think those are some safe bets to start with. Awesome. And you brought up something really interesting about natural light. So if our space does have natural light, that would affect our choices versus if it doesn't. Absolutely. You know, there's important things to consider is, is your ceiling with LED bulbs? Well, that has specific UV rays of light that can be damaging over time. So what can we do to help the eye refocus and repair? That's going to be a lot of green. So can we bring in more plants into the space or more green colors? I mean, there's so, as you can see, it it can go on and on and on, and we don't want to necessarily go nuts, but these are things we can start becoming aware of so that we can you know, have, be a little bit of a diagnostician in our space and go, okay, I know that I'm having a lot of LEDs and I know that we're in the time of year where the sun's not shining as strong. So I'm going to put in this, this, and this into my space. Awesome. And I did take your free class on this. I'm going to link that in the show notes or in the video description, again, depending if you're watching or listening, but one more quick thing that kind of popped into my head that I wanted to ask. So for our space, we decided to do, we did blues and greens. And then for our check checkout counter, which was also our, um, you know, cafe, it was right in the center of our space. If you're watching, I'm going to overlay a photo. I'm sure you guys have all seen it, but we chose to do an accent color for where everybody pays, where everybody checks out, where everybody makes buying decisions. 
So I'm curious if you have any favorite colors for when people are in that money money buying decision space. Absolutely. We're going to want more of an action color. Uh, you can choose red or magenta. Those are really bold action colors. And people usually are much more likely to buy in a red environment. But you can also use yellow. Yellow can be very stimulating, especially a lot of call to action buttons that have been tested with yellow are the highest converting. So those are some that you can use and experiment with that I found to be the highest converting colors. Awesome. I wish, again, I would have had this conversation or heard this conversation before we opened. That is so interesting because as I was choosing the paint, I was like, this feels like it could be really impactful on my business and on my sales, but I just didn't have the knowledge or the resources or the tools or you know, I didn't even know the questions to ask. So I really appreciate this conversation. So to kind of move from our in-person spaces back to online, I'm assuming that we should keep that color palette cohesive. Once we decide our overall brand colors, they should probably be consistent, right? Well, and I think that this is where it gets to be a little bit different. I think you can definitely have the same season. I would have the same season in my space as in my branding, but you're probably going to have multiple colors in your space as you should. In terms of the brand, what's a little bit different is that this is more uh, attraction, right? So we're wanting them to come in based on a specific feeling. So that's where I would decide on what the primary color would be and then a secondary color or two to figure out, okay, am I going to really be bringing them in with joy and excitement with a yellow or are they really wanting a space to come in and relax and bring their kid and it feels safe and that's going to be more of the oranges and the purples potentially and I would figure out those to really headline my brand and then of course in social feeds and in photos of your space that's where you can bring in those other colors and have them shine but we want more of that specific emotional reaction in our advertising versus the environment we create in the play space awesome so i've heard a lot about this kind of in the online marketing world but are there any colors for websites or branding or specifically calls to action that you suggest people kind of stay away from I would say no. It varies so much across industries. There is no bad color, right? There's bad color combinations. And we talked about that earlier. If you have a winter orange and a summer blue, it's going to be a bit of a disaster. Uh, I would say the biggest thing is making sure that you have balance on the color wheel. Some people can get too attached to my brand has to be green and blue and purple. Well, as we know, that's all on one side of the color wheel. So there's not much balance. We need to bring some more lightness with a yellow or an orange or a pink just so that it has more harmony to the eye. So that's the only cautionary tale that I would say. Otherwise, there's so much flexibility, especially in this space. I would look at what everyone else is doing and I would try something completely opposite in order to stand out. And that's where it gets to be really, really fun. Awesome. So this is kind of a random question, but I can't help but ask it because again, I've been following a lot of your content. If we are planning to be kind of the face of our brick and mortar business and we're going to be, you know, all over the website, should we take our own kind of season and skin tone and personality into consideration when we're choosing our colors? Or is that something that you don't really recommend? 
I think in this case, I would make sure that the space is more focused on the ideal client and on the location. But absolutely, when it comes to yourself, let's say that you've decided that your play space is going to be, uh, what's the color we haven't really talked about? Magenta, right? But you put that bright magenta on your skin and you look like a ghost. Well, you can do a version of that. So lighten it up. Go to more of a hot pink or a soft pink. Like it's still going to work. We don't need to be super locked in to that. Like I might recommend for someone whose business was more so online, right? This is a bit of a different scenario. So I'd say find things that are complementary to your skin, but are familiar with the main colors in your space. And I think that would work out just fine. Awesome. I was just so curious because so many of us you know, kind of put ourselves on the website and in our social media posts. I was just wondering if that has any impact. So thank you so much for clarifying. So mm-hmm. I'm so curious and I'm sure everybody listening is curious as well. How did you get into color psychology? Because it's so unique and so interesting. Absolutely. It was something that kind of chased me for many years until I really figured out what it was. It started in film and television. That's what I was born and raised in. So I got to see colors that were used on set and in shooting and editing and uh, getting able to experience that process and went to film school myself and learned a little bit more about it. Uh, But then I actually got into interior design and studied color in that angle, which led me to uh, bringing color branding into the business world. And then recently, because I had such a hard time aligning color balance and wanted to figure out why my clients would choose a specific color, but then it looked terrible in a photo shoot and that struggle, uh, then I learned color analysis and brought that balance into business branding as well. So uh, between that and studying what Uh, natural sunlight does to help the body through specific plants. That was a part of my career for a while too. So it was really kind of comprehensive and random that made me finally understand like, oh, this is what ties everything together. And this is actually measurable in terms of not only our happiness in our home, but in our businesses. And this is what I have to do and what I have to teach. That's so interesting. So Now you work with people on their own color psychology. So can you tell me a little bit about the clients that you work with now and what you do for them? Absolutely. Um, It varies very much. I do have clientele where we work with branding and marketing. And so we will either figure out what their established message is and then link the visuals to it and do a rebrand. In some cases, it's we're starting from scratch because they want to burn everything down and rebuild it. So it really depends. But the fun part is where we actually get to measure the results uh, and see the growth, the engagement, the sales, all of that really skyrocket because things are finally in alignment. Some things that I consult on, it is what people are going to wear. I had someone that was at the Kajabi event down in Texas uh, about a month ago, and she really wanted to figure out what do I wear on stage to stand out and get the reactions I want. Uh, So we figured that out. So it really does vary. Sometimes it's with kids, like what we talked about. So the fun thing is being able to uh, work with it in so many different fields and see it work wherever it's applied because it's, it's human behavior. It's the one universal language we were never taught. That's amazing. So if anybody is listening to this and absolutely wants to learn more and better understand color psychology, again, especially if they're in the beginning phases of their business, or they're looking to rebrand or maybe expand, where can we learn more about you? Where's the best place to find you? 
Absolutely. Well, I think the first thing that would be most applicable for this audience, especially would be my book, Color Secrets. That way you can go into amazing depth on each of these colors and figure out what's going to be the best fit for your space. And then aside from that, you can go to color cured. That's with a D on the end.com and see what might be the best fit for you for where you're at. That would be most supportive. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it, Michelle. This was so much fun. I never get to talk about this subject. So it was a blast. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right. That wraps up my interview with color psychology expert, Michelle Lewis. Again, I hope you really enjoyed this and found it as practical and as interesting as I did. So as I mentioned in the beginning, if you want to continue following and learning from Michelle, her Instagram website and all that good stuff is linked in the show notes of this episode. And As always, if you found this episode or this interview helpful, the best way that you can show support for me or for the show and let me know that you enjoy this type of content is to leave a review wherever you are listening. And also, if you have a suggestion or a topic you want me to cover or a question that you'd like answered, or if you have a guest expert suggestion, please feel free to DM me on Instagram. It's at it's Michelle Caruana. It's also linked in the show notes. I would love to hear from you and connect with you there. All right. Have an amazing day, Playmakers. Your play of the day is to check out Michelle's website and Instagram and continue learning about color psychology because I promise you we barely scraped the tip of the iceberg here. All right. Have a great day, Playmakers. I will see you right back here in your feeds shortly. Bye.